Hello. I wanted it. Welcome to Daniel Vaughn's views of wrestling, TV shows, sports, and movies. I'm gonna just do. I'm gonna just do a new segment. Now that I'm on Stitch, I can try to uh, to add an extra episode. Um, for premium. So before I do that, I'm gonna try my best to to talk about um to, to do a new format. I'm gonna try my best to talk about this week's wrestling so far. Might have to save this for Saturday. I have to say this for Saturday because of the Friday night shows we Friday night shows we have, or that Friday night shows they have um, airing, like New Japan. And at the same time, New Japan airs. They have Major League Wrestling, and at eight o'clock they have Women of Wrestling Superheroes. I believe is what they're called. And yes, I am laughing because I just think it's funny. I'm sorry. I'm sorry if y'all don't find the humor. I just find it. I don't know why, but I just find things like that humorous. Um. I'm, uh, I'm actually looking. Ooh, I forgot. That were Friday, so so I didn't have to go. Then I didn't have to skip ahead to the next day. Access TV. Okay, tonight for people who catch Access TV. Uh, one of I believe it's Los Ingobernales de Japón. I believe uh, it's their member. Evil goes against um, Zack Sabre Jr. The Women of Wrestling Women's Champion Santana Garrett. I think she defends her title against Tessa Blanchard. And uh, no, it's been three weeks since they started. I forgot the uh, the Island Girl. Because I think that's where she's from. And she's a huge Jimmy Snuka fan. So that's her finisher is the top rope slash. Um, which is interesting because despite what Tessa Blanchard did when she came in to get, um, to get what the champion Santana Garrett to get her mad, despite what she did to get her mad, the person running things said you still have to earn your title shot. So the fact that she has a shot in a three-way battle is uh, is interesting, to say the least. So I can't wait to see that. And then talk about it later on. And on MLW, the main... Attraction match. Tommy Dreamer and Brian Pillman Jr. Having a match tonight. 
<clears throat> I wanted to talk, before this episode is over, I want to talk about the Steelers. Because I saw how, as I was working out at the gym, listening to Sports Center, spoke about some of the things that the Steelers need to work on in the offseason. So I want to talk about that. Before today is over. And before this episode's over. Um. Okay. I'm going to have to go back to Monday Night Raw for a second. Because I forgot that I didn't, um. That I didn't restart the whole thing. I don't know if it's the uh, the reboot of Charter Spectrum, but you used to be able to restart things by hitting Don't Delete. I'm not sure if it still does that. You might have to rewind the whole thing instead of starting it from the beginning. Okay, good. It does restart it. <clears throat> Found it interesting that... Um, Stephanie McMahon, not only entered, not only did she invite Becky Lynch to Raw after she chose Ronda Rousey as her opponent for WrestleMania, but I found it interesting that she told Becky Lynch that she needed to be evaluated by the doctor, otherwise she wouldn't be allowed to compete. Matter of fact, she ended up suspending Becky Lynch and made it worse than just suspending her. They had to do it indefinitely because she started beating up Stephanie. Un unprovoked, by the way. And got to the point that Finley, who gave her, who let her get it, go in the Royal Rumble match, women's Royal Rumble match, to win it. They let her, uh, no, they had to escort her to the back. Roddy Rousey cut a promo against her in the back, and saying that, um, if she was not. If she wasn't a professional, she would have dropped to where she was. And that, but because she is a professional, she's just going to go out there and do her job. And that's, and that's to wrestle somebody. Now, when I found out that it was Liv Morgan who was facing her, I said, this isn't going to last long. Sure enough, it didn't. She had one, there, she had only one move, and that was using the Trish Stratus Matrix move when you duck an opponent's. Uh, clothesline or right hand, and she, and that was a mistake because Ronda Rousey knows, knowing how to fight legitimately, all it took was one right hand in the stomach and she went down. That's when she, the quickest time I ever saw her put the, uh, the arm bar on, uh, on anybody, and that's how she won. And she challenged. Anybody else to go against her? And that's when she went against 
Sarah Logan. And they said she was the one who is the strong, stronger one of, of the three of the riot squad. I said this because she went for a buckle bomb. I think she hit it on Ronda Rousey. And I said this. I said, she's the strongest. I don't want to see the weakest. Because even though she wasn't straining to pick up Ronda Rousey, that still was all Ronda Rousey that that helped her. And uh, she ended up getting the, the victory, did Ronda Rousey. Um, and Ruby Wright was the only one who decided not to. She said that called Ronda Rousey an opportunist and that she wouldn't understand that deciding to help her friends instead of standing in the ring with somebody and fighting. And the truth of the matter is, is that Ruby Riot's the opportunist. And I really don't know why the fans turned against, turning against Ronda Rousey. I just feel like they're treating her like they treat Roman Reigns. And because this woman has a legitimate fighting background. Just like Kurt Angle and Brock Lesnar. Or legitimate wrestlers and Brock Lesnar's a former UFC fighter himself. Like she was. Then that's why I don't see why they would dislike her. I just feel like um, they don't know what they like half the time. And they can turn on you in a second. When they see something they don't like about you. Then they show a commercial for... I think it's this Monday night. Going to be in Lafayette, which is about an hour, I think, from where I live. Only went to one live Raw taping 11 years ago this year. And it was... um, No, yeah, it was 11 years and it was um, this this very month, as a matter of fact. And I remember uh, they had um, the highlight reel with the big show. They had um, dark mat. They had some uh, one or two matches for at least one match for their internet show called Sunday Night Heat. Which was, I believe, Charlie Haas against uh, Hacksaw Jim, D- Jim Duggan. That's the first time, because it was the first time being at Raw. The most exciting thing was seeing Jim Ross and Jerry Lawler come out to the ring. That's when I found out that the music he went out to the year before for the Hall of Fame was the same music they play for him every time he comes out to... To, uh, to get ready for the show. And Jerry Lawler, you, they, you could actually, not only could you see the, the, uh, the sound of, you can not only feel the, I was sitting close enough to where I could feel the, uh, the sound effects. And I found out that, um, that you actually, what you see on TV you, it's for TV only. You see them sitting down, but you don't hear them talk unless they have a microphone. 
<clears throat> I also I remember seeing um the I saw Santino Marella doing commentary for um Maria and Ashley, I think is her name. No. Candace Michelle, that was her name. Against um probably probably um Victoria and uh Beth Phoenix. And I actually remember I found out the next day so I went to Adult Ed. So the next day when I when I woke up I saw in the t- I wrote, I read on the computer before I left for Adult Ed, I read that Candace Michelle using her version of the Unprettier the Christian made famous. She broke her clavicle. I was really surprised at that. I didn't think you could hurt yourself doing that kind of move. And I remember because Santino Morella is so funny. In the middle of of commentary, he took the Diet Coke that uh, J- the guy who got arrested, uh, Jared from Subway, he handed uh, Jerry Lawler a Diet Coke and a Subway sandwich as, a, as an advertise, you know, to give free, free advertising for Subway. Not only did he throw this the Coke in. Jerry's, that cook in Jerry's face did Santino. He also stole the sandwich. He started eating it in the, in, in the ramp, in the entrance ramp. So those are just some of the things I remember. I also remember crying a little bit when they showed, um, when they did a, aired a commercial for the, um, Hall of Fame. And how the next announcement would be made the next night on ECW at the time. And I remember uh, one thing that really was even more interesting to me was when they had Umaga go against um, Brian Kendrick and Paul London. Now, I don't remember if there were... I don't remember who the tag team champions were at the time... Or even if they were even showed, but I do remember uh, thinking that they should have been showcased in a tag team in a bout against the tag team champions. And I remember this was not too long, maybe about three, four months before they turned Brian Kendrick into a hill the first time. And Brian Kendrick, he walked out on. On Paul London because he didn't want to take any more more punishment from uh, Umaga. What I remember is how this was during the commercial break. You could tell it was a commercial break. His referees came out to help Paul London to the back. You don't usually see that on TV. What I really remember is how there was a... I think the entire male locker room on Raw went against Cena and Orton, what I remember is when they tried to double-team Orton and Cena, Umaga ran after JBL after JBL accidentally hit him with the chair. And I remember 
watching. Hey, that was that only was it my first time seeing uh, seeing it live, but because it was live, that was my first time ever seeing the kind of uh, like chaotic scene. So I I turned my head from the ring to the entrance ramp just to see how far they ran. They actually ran. Actually jumped off of the ramp to go to the back. So that's how much fun it was. It probably would still be fun to see that today. And I believe that to end this, I mean, we had to walk away. So I didn't really see the post from the show, but I'm positive this happened after showing off the ears. Triple H was dressed in his tights. By the way, it was Triple H. That made this match because of a ruling that GM William Regal made. He said that all three members in the triple threat match could uh have the power to make matches, make a match for their opponent. So he said that if he had made um no he had made the match. So he said if they did not they did not team up together. He would take them out of the the title match at WrestleMania because because of the uh, the privilege that Regal gave all three of them specifically Triple H this week. It was really funny. Was he said there's two reasons I would not take the title for myself instead of instead of uh, fighting for it, and that is. This is more fun. This is a lot more fun than doing that. Plus, I've had... I've been awarded the title before and there's no justification in it. Hmm. And, uh... That's what I liked about it. I think he did get in the ring to pedigree at least one of the bad guys, but I'm not sure. So, yeah, some fun times just watching that storyline. Get back to Raw this past week and this past Monday... Uh, heavy machinery, uh, Lucha, Lucha House Party, two-thirds of it, the, um, Revival, and then, of course, uh, B-Team wrestled in a Fatal 4-Way or Four Corners. They changed the name from Fatal 4-Way to a Four Corner, um, Number one contender match and um the revival I think beat uh B team with the Shatter Machine. So now they once again have a shot at the titles. And it, it's an interesting new rule. In tag team wrestling, they came up with is not really came up with, but it's a new rule they decided to to implement and to have the referees enforce, and that is you only have two um time you can only come in to break up a tag twice. Or, if you're tagged in, you can only double-team five by a five count. 
But yeah, I did read Dash Wilder say it's been that way for a while, but I never realized it before. That's why I say it's Nia. What I really like is they're continuing Ryder and his best friend Kurt Hawkins being a tag team. Kurt Angle came out, and we still don't... I still don't know what he was going to end with, but it looked like it... But he was... Looked like he was building to a retirement speed, so he got interrupted by not just one, but two people, Corbin and McIntyre. Then they got interrupted by, uh, looked like they were about to fight Angle. Uh, Braun Strowman came out to even things up, so it was turned into a tag team match. And, uh, they had an out, they had reminded us about um Lashley versus Finn Balor. Show a picture us a picture of John Cena. Gotta fast forward a little bit. No, okay. It wasn't John Cena, okay. They remind us of Double J Jeff Jarrett with Road Dog. In his corner, going against Elias. And, of course, Hug and Boss Connection versus Nikki Cross and Alicia Fox. Where the winner goes into eliminate, qualifies for Elimination Chamber. Um, then on SmackDown Live, which I'm going to talk about that too in this episode. They had... Um, they too had an uh the final qualifying qualifying match. I'm really curious as to why they didn't have four straight or six straight qualifying matches instead of just choosing choosing two or four teams and then having two or three but however many teams win qualifying matches and they show. Then they show what happened when Rollins chose Brock Lesnar as his opponent, and they actually start. Actually, already have the have the WrestleMania commercial airing, and they have picture of Lesnar and Rollins up there. I know that there's a big buzz about uh, AEW, but I have to be honest. As a wrestling fan, how can you not get excited to for at least the feeling of WrestleMania for the Hall of Fame? How can you not get excited for that? I know that I know that it's not as big as it used to be, but it's still an exciting time. I'm really not excited for AEW as much as I'm excited for their for their TV deal. Because I don't exactly know, um, who their partnerships are, are with. I don't, I'm not familiar with their partnerships with anybody outside of AAA in Mexico. In other words, they don't have partnerships yet with a company like MLW or a company... Like, um, New Japan, so, 
That's why I'm not really too excited about that. But I am excited about um, their TV deal. I'm just not excited about the first event. Because of how much it would cost just to see. That is if they decide to live stream it. The next match is Huggin' Both Connection versus Cross and Fox. And I I believe, I don't know what uh, injury it is, but Sasha Banks had a real injury. That's why they had them do a, a sneak attack um, angle with Bailey and Sasha Banks. To where Bailey had to had to wrestle the whole match by herself, and the only thing we saw Bailey uh, Sasha do was pull uh, Bailey away from the ring post to help her, but still she fell down doing that. So I got a feeling she was really she was too hurt to wrestle a full match. What injury, I don't know, but Alicia Fox uh, prevented the tag. She would have been better off letting Bailey make the tag because she got rolled up and lost the match for a tee. So, uh, it's going to be really interesting to see who wins the women's tag team titles because the titles are going to be for, be for both Raw and SmackDown. And which means that the teams are going to be on both Raw and SmackDown. It's going to be interesting to see who wins the titles. And uh, the one of the teams for SmackDown that I was surprised it was put together were two former SmackDown Live t- uh, women's champions, Carmella and Naomi. Hmm. And that's going to be something I'm going to talk about for SmackDown. But I just wanted to mention how I found that to be a very unique pair. Because they're so opposite, but yet so similar at the same time. But still very opposite as far as the way they act and carry themselves. What they have the most, the most, what they have in common the most is their ability to dance. Or their love of dancing. So that's what I find to be what really helps them in their partnership. And the next match is Jeff Jarrett versus Elias. And I had said this on Twitter that I don't think it's really that big of a deal that they take somebody that's been around a long time, put them against somebody new because because they have both have the same act, which is a music act. So to have Jeff Jarrett go against him is a, is a great idea because he's passing the torch to him. That was a great match. It's just that him take Jeff Jarrett having offense for five minutes and then for the rest of the match, jobbing to Elias is really, number one, is predictable. Number two, I think it's on... Uh, I think that it's um, for 
what I, for myself personally, I would prefer to see an old school um, back and forth battle than to see than to see the type of match they actually gave them. But it was still a great match. Just they just didn't do. They just didn't show Jeff as good as I thought they should have. Yeah, like I said, passing the torch. Yeah, they're passing the torch, so I expected Elias to win the match. Um, but I really liked those them getting. And he decided not to just go to the back, and he decided to try to embarrass Jeff Jarrett and Road Dog after the match, and they ended up embarrassing him. And then I don't really know what they're building to towards between uh uh Natalia and Dana Brooke, but thought it was interesting how she was saying she was sorry to Natalia for letting her down and Natalia didn't say or tell her anything. Looks like this may lead to a new feud between them. Which is great because that's what they've been practicing been promising. Go to a commercial when they come back they air um and they announce that they're gonna celebrate Ric Flair's birthday on Raw in Atlanta, Georgia. Last time they did that was when they celebrated Hulk Hogan's birthday. So that's gonna be interesting to see also. It's gonna be interesting to see what how they celebrate his birthday. And, um, they remind us what happened between Becky and Stephanie. They start talking about that, and then they I talk about Balor against, um, Lashley was, was up next, and him getting show Charlie Crusoe interviewing Finn Balor. They show how... He he even mentioned how his um he even mentioned how his elbow was still hurt after tapping out to the Kimura lock. They showed clips of that and then they showed a video pictures of that, excuse me, and then they showed a video of last week's assault by Lashley. Leo Rush does he doesn't know when to stop. He decided to Make a fool out of himself, not just by talking about Lashley, but decided to say he was going to phase Balor instead. As good as he was doing, <clears throat> he still he was not as good as uh, not as good as he needed to be against Balor. Balor is a former Universal Champion for crying out loud. They're doing some great. Action like uh, the old school um, abdominal stretch, which that position was given to him by Lashley for getting involved earlier, for getting sent to the back. Yeah, Finn Balor having hurt ribs, he did sell the frog splash and everything.
but all he needed to do is just one opening for the coup de I They call it coup de grace. I think you should call it coup, coup de grace. Because that's what I call it. And he rolled out the ring before Lashley could get there. He was laughing at them. Paige comes out and she plugs her biopic slash movie, Fighting With My Family. And, uh, yeah, I'm going to start, yeah, I'm going to do this weekly when I don't, when I don't, when I'm not doing, um, a TV show or a movie episode, I'm going to do this. I really don't know why in the middle of EC3's talk show segment with with uh, Alexa Bliss. I don't know why they didn't have him talk. But uh, Nia Jax interrupted um, the talk show. Then Dean Ambrose interrupted her asking why she, why she decided to hit him the week before. Then he challenged EC3 to a match, and I'm not even going to talk about that. I'm not going to, instead of going to Dean Ambrose losing the match, I'm going to talk about some of the movement I saw. I told my mom that I wasn't sure if EC3 was in good shape or great shape, because even though he has six-pack abs, what I always noticed he lacked was cardiovascular conditioning. Because when he would either get in a fake fight with uh, Tommy Dreamer or he lost, or he beat Sting, but after he beat Sting, he couldn't breathe. He had to sit down breathing. That was what really, as a fan, concerned me about him. But what I did notice was how much he had developed some of his skills in the ring. Like he front face lock and instead of going for DDT, he took him and he went forward with him. I'd never seen that before and I found that to be very unique and it just, I've got to be honest, how do you do that without hurting them? I guess that's where the practice get comes into play for today's day and age. Missed his version of the Stinger's Flash. But he, what he did, how he was able to beat him with, was a jackknife cover. Once again, you could tell that if if Dean had done more fighting instead of just laying down, then that wouldn't have been so difficult to see as a fan because it would have been more believable. The fact that he didn't even try to kick out is what makes it so difficult. That's one of the reasons why I believe they're about to lose him. And the McIntyre and Corbin win by disqualification when Cor when Strowman came in I think he already came in two times. Uh to save it and the third time Automatic disqualification. And he ended up close choke slamming not just McIntyre, but he he, he choke slammed uh, 
Um, Baron Corbin to still steps also to end the show. All that very interesting stuff is going to happen. It made, let me put it this way, as far as making you want to see more, it did it for me. I wanted to see, it made me want to see more. So that's why I said it did its they did their job. Uh, I'm hoping I didn't accidentally, good, I didn't accidentally delete SmackDown. Um, the Iconics, I'm sorry that I'm talking about that match right away, but it's in the middle of the, uh, of that taping. The way I was wrong, Naomi and, uh, Carmella did not win the right, they did not win a qualifying match, they just came right out and said they were tag team partners for the, uh, for the event. Um... I don't know if I can restart this without going to the end and pressing don't, don't delete. I'm going to try. Yeah, you can restart it from the beginning. Good. So if there came out, got a promo about Becky Lynch being, uh... Being suspended indefinitely, then Becky Lynch interrupted her. They had to be separated by security, and then Triple H came out. When he said, he told her how he felt like she was scared to be cleared so that she could go to WrestleMania because she feels like she's scared Becky Lynch will expose her. Know that, but not Becky Lynch will expose her, but Ronda Rousey will expose her. I think she got, uh, I think she got, um, it's, uh, I forgot what, what, I don't even know what happened, but I would always get notifications, so I'm going to press play so that we can find out together. Now I remember them saying she slapped Triple H. She can't do much because he's not just is he a man, but he's a he's a big man because of all the working out he does. So let's see what he does. <laughs> Thank you. 
Becky Lynch actually did the smart thing and she walked away through the audience. So yeah, I don't know why, but they booked Gallows and Anderson to lose against Shinsuke Nakamura and Rusev. Not a bad match, it's just that kind of like what uh what Blanchard, Tully Blanchard said about he and Arn going against Sting and uh, Nikita Koloff when you do $20 million. Giving them the full enchilada would have been to put them against an established team. Well, because they are not established, the Nakamura and Rusev, as a matter of fact, at one point it looked like their miscommunication was going to cost them. That's why why it didn't seem like it was a good, uh... That's why it didn't seem like it was a good idea to have them win. However, it, it did serve its purpose because of the fact that, uh... Gallows and Anderson haven't really had any, um, actually any booking recently, last few months, then just to have them get started again, any match, any match is important. But because of the current storyline between Nakamura and Rusev being put together because of their common uh, disdain for Ron Killings or R-Truth being U.S. champion, that's what the purpose of this match was for. They have, the next thing they do have to go into a commercial was have the Usos cut a promo against McMahon and The Miz, their, uh, their tag team opponent for um, Elimination Chamber for the titles. And that's going to be an interesting match. Uh, our, the one mistake that Mustafa Ali made against Randy Orton, climbing up to the top rope in front of Randy Orton, was all, Randy Orton did exactly the only thing he needed to do. He did exactly that, and they just pulled... Pulled his legs out from under him so that he can hit the RKO. What's really interesting is how slowly building Samoa Joe as almost like a Stone Cold type character without without being uh, vile. Because he assaulted both of them and they went to the back. I really don't want to get into this whole Daniel Bryan promo tirade, but I will say how I think him fussing about the Elimination Chamber match is ridiculous because it's as fair as it comes. You have four, no, five people wanting to face you when I face all of them in an Elimination match. <clears throat> when that was the purpose of the match, to put it in matches like that. I, I know beyond a shadow of a doubt that they make too much of a big deal 
about Mandy Rose. However, she and Sonya Deville uh, being a tag team, that's what they really need. That's what she really needs is to be a tag team. Um. Oh, I see what happened. Naomi and Carmella went against both the Iconics and the um, DeVille and Rose. I'm not sure who won, but I think Rose might have won with DeVille. So I'm not really sure how they figured her doing a version of the Angel's Wings 2, 3 was a good finisher for her because I don't find it to be very... I don't, it doesn't look like it's as effective as a DDT would be. However, it's a great way to build to the, to the Elimination Chamber and they have, I believe... One more week to do it, so it's exciting. It is an exciting time to see. Especially since uh, you have WrestleMania in April and Fastlane, I believe, in March. So it's very interesting. And before they get to the main event, they show a video package, video package... Of the um, SmackDown Women's Champion Oscar. And Jeff Hardy went against Daniel Bryan. Daniel Bryan somehow wants us to believe that he. That he. Uh, personally created the new title out of hemp. And I just think that um, everything he's been saying the past two weeks is just bullcrap. There, I said it. Bullcrap. And I believe that uh, talking about he call it about the earth and everything like that is not important. I mean, sure, it's important to be clean and everything. But this, but you can tell by looking at the shape of the world that it's going to fall. There's nothing you can do to save it. So I just think it's uh, really... Um, useless to look at it the way that Daniel Bryan does. Not just in character, but in real life. Though I gotta be honest, if it wasn't for this just being a storyline, I don't even think this new, uh... I don't even think this new storyline... But for the storyline, I don't think his new title belt would even be, um even be getting talk about it if it wasn't for this new storyline. 
think Jeff Hardy gets pulled out of the ring by Harper when he goes for the pin after the swanton bomb. Yeah. Don't know why he didn't get disqualified for that. No, he did. Brian just decided to put the yes lock on him or the label lock on him to, uh, bad punishment. Then Joe came out, put the coquino clutch on him. Then Orton came out to get back at Joe for earlier. Mustafa Ali came out, got thrown on the uh, mouse table by um, Harper. Nader Styles came out, first fought with with Orton with an Enziguri. He goes after uh, goes out there after Joe, who he has a story history with. He hits a phenomenal. Nominal forearm to Jeff Hardy. And he points to Daniel Bryan. Remind him that they still have unfinished business. Okay, so that's all that I can talk about for uh, SmackDown. So let me, uh, look. Let me go on the website for, um, the Pittsburgh Steelers. Coaching changes. Oh, Tomlin isn't uh, being replaced. Missy and Bob run through the coaching changes that the Steelers have made. It's Diller's Live. Let's see if anything is said. Yeah, I don't hear anything. Okay. Pressing play.